what the purpose of this roundtable discussion is, many of us who are involved in institutional farming are faced with challenges that, um, as I talk to each one, seems to be that they're common across the board for all schools and institutions. And um, what I have seen that uh, at a lot of our self-supporting schools especially, we have a high turnover of farmers. And it's, it's absolutely devastating to our farm programs. And so what we want to see come from this is how can we um, not only identify what are these common problems that we have to deal with, but what are some of the solutions that have been found or suggested? How can we improve the situation? How can we encourage our farmers to be, uh, you know, to have a long-term goal, to have a long-term commitment? How can we help our administration at these different institutions to see the challenges and to be willing to um, adapt to enable agriculture to be everything that the Lord designed it to be. So that's our purpose. So we want to start with prayer. And David Obermiller, who has a gift of uh, um, facilitating here, I've asked him if he would be the uh, moderator. And um, so we'll jump into it. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for all of those who are sitting here who are dedicated to your work in this field and, and in other ways. Thank you, Lord, that um, we have the opportunity to fellowship, to dialogue, and uh, to seek to find solutions. We pray that you will guide us in this process this afternoon, and that through this you'll be glorified, that your work will be strengthened, and that more and more young people will be um, better equipped to face life's challenges and uh, better equipped to serve you and, and to hasten your coming. That is our desire, Father, and we pray for your Holy Spirit now to be present. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to try to take some notes on the whiteboard as much as I can. And um, I want to invite any and all comments. Uh, I know that there are, uh, there are conference-run, denominational-run schools here. There are also self-supporting institutions, not only schools, but uh, other institutions as well. And there are enough of both sides that I think that we should share freely and not think that denominational problems are not relevant to self-supporting problems and the self-supporting problems aren't relevant to denominational problems. Uh, we are all in this together and we need to share honestly, uh, vulnerably with each other as well. Um, also, this is not um, us up here and you out there. Uh, I see Dr. Clark here. They have a farm on their campus at Watchtaw Hills. Uh, Mindy and Philip back there, uh, Arthur, you're sitting there. So uh, we want, we want uh, this to be a, a, a room dialogue, uh, not us up here and you out there. So um, anybody that's got a comment that's relevant to the discussion. And again, the question is a uh, solution-oriented. Uh, I should say that this is a solution-oriented discussion. And I'm going to have... Uh, I'm going to put a little pressure on everybody here. We would like everybody that's running an institutional farm to tell us your greatest challenge or challenges to succeeding on your farm. And success is a very broad word, of course. We're talking spiritual success, we're talking financial success. Well, the answer is yes, all of them. Uh, finances are related to spirituality. Spirituality is related to mission. It is related to the academic program at the school, integrating student labor, so we want all, all possible problems that we can get. And then we want to spend some time trying to figure out what we're doing practically to address those problems and what we can learn from each other. Uh, the goal here, and I'm sorry, Darren, I don't know if you said this, but Audioverse is recording this, and the association is going to put together a document that will be available to those people or institutions that are seeking to start a farm on their campus and to understand what challenges they'll face and possible solutions to those uh, challenges in advance uh, proactively. So, um, any meeny miny mo here? Who wants to start? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, we'll go with the cord, Byron. Give you first. Byron Smith, and I work with <clears throat> Great Lakes Adventist Academy, Good News Farm, and I live in Arizona. My name is Arthur Moliono. Andrew's Student Gardens. 
Vaughan Sparrow, Wildwood Lifestyle Center and Hospital. We have a farm. Tony Koskovich, Eden Valley Farm. David Obermiller, Fresno Adventist Academy. Darren Greenfield, Weimar Farm. Armando Lopez, Heartland Farm. Matthew Dealey, I'm with um, Daystar or Eden Valley. Ruan Swanepoel, Gospel Ministries International. Philip, and I'm with Sustainability Studies at Southern Adventist University. Mindy, and I'm with Southern Adventist University. Okay, so back to that question. Challenges you face? Should we just go around the circle again, probably? To me, the greatest challenge that we face is getting um, qualified individuals to deal with um, the work with excellence. I think I can echo that, that challenge. Um, and in self-supporting organizations, um, to, to keep the stability from one manager to another is a, is a huge challenge. Um, Wildwood looked a number of years ago and took an average of um, staff changes, uh, and it, it averages about every two and a half years that you have a staff rotation. So in other words, a person coming to Wildwood is probably going to leave in about two and a half years. And so in order to uh, carry on what one man started to to the next person is is a huge challenge because of different focus, different talents, etc. But of course, the I think the major one is is to find qualified people with experience who can uh, start something and carry it through that is qualified both in um, agriculture and in marketing. Well, I can echo everything that's been said already. Um, I don't want to pick on Eden Valley admin, but they, so far the farm has been run more, of a, more as a market farm than an educational farm or training farm. And so I see a challenge there that, uh, that I wish they could have attended this conference with us, talking about the educational side of, of agriculture, ministry side. But that's a challenge there. Uh, they don't... Well, again, not to pick on them, but uh, maybe some of us aren't aware of the potential that agriculture can hold in the medical missionary school and also in outreach to the community. It's looked at more of as an income for the institution, which is also good. Educating a person. Yeah, okay. That works. That works. Yeah. And then another one possibly is... Uh, is uh, a qualified help also. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot for a farm manager to, to manage everyone who wants to work on the farm, but also try to make an income from the farm. Um, try to give uh, somebody a certain job to do uh, that they're not burning up more time than they're saving you. Uh, I don't know, what did you put for that one? Uh, uh, train, training employees, tra training workers, training workers. I think the number one challenge that I face is um, the availability of students, the lack of time that they have to actually train them to a point of not only giving them sufficient knowledge that they can do something with, but also after training them to then be able to return your investment in the training to actually make the farm viable. Byron made a, a, a statement about 500 hours of, of time for a person to become proficient in their um, abilities in his operation. And um, if we look at the amount of hours that I have a student at nine hours a week, not every week of the month because of um, home leaves, and breaks, it would take two years to get 500 hours from a student. I, I might be lucky to have them for one year, so I'm getting them for half of that. So for that whole year, I'm investing in the students to train them. I'm losing my productivity. Um, I can do things a lot faster than even if I have three of them that I'm trying to train. 
And so when you look at the farm as an industry that needs to put out an income or bring in an income, um, and to do that with students and then not provide the students for the length of time it takes to actually get them proficient is shooting yourself in the foot. And so if we take that kind of approach where we're actually, uh, we're investing more than we're returning. Same problem. There at, at Heartland, um, we face the challenge of training. You know, school begins in the fall, and we have a new group. And we'll start with that group, and usually we start with a great number, and little by little they start getting pulled to other areas that are also in need. Um, but So we start training and losing people along the the throughout the year and then at the end of the year um, they'll all leave and um, we have to start with a new group once the year starts again so um, that that is definitely a, a great challenge and that we have the pressure from the institution the administration is expecting us to be to function as a viable business and to help bring in um, money to the institution and um, th so those expectations are there but um, you know for a while it was just it was just myself and 10 to 15 students now Michael Tyler is helping uh, he's working we're working together there and to cover uh, and some other staff members that come and help but the amount the proportion of staff to students is not, you know, it's not good, and um, and I myself do not feel I have all the experience and training. I'm I'm I jumped into this because I saw that we our schools needed to do this, and so you feel the burden of bringing it in. You you know the benefits that it has, but um, to you know to train the young people and to and to you know have the model of a self of a business that's functioning um, in the way that we're working right now it just doesn't doesn't work with the, the lack of qualified workers the student integration they're there just for a short period they leave in the breaks and um, all those things um, they, it's like two conflicting goals trying to make money as a business and trying to train but they're both things that we need to do but just it's just not it's a challenge I think one of the biggest things I've faced is um, leadership not understanding agriculture and then you get um, you don't get clear roles of what you're supposed to do um, so you're kind of out there on your own and then they'll come and say you know we want you to make more money and then somebody else will come and say you know, why are there weeds? We want this to be the Garden of Eden for the guests. And then somebody else will come out and say, well, we don't want the guests out here. And it's kind of this roller coaster. And uh, so, but, you know, the leadership doesn't understand the purpose or the role of agriculture. So I think that's been one of my biggest challenges. Um, yeah, and we've had high turnover where I was at. So, um, you know, every person that came in had a new idea of what agriculture should be. So that was my biggest challenge. Yeah, I would say uh, qualified workers as well. Uh, that's been the biggest challenge for us. We have a class at Southern called Sustainability Studies, and our challenge is how do we um, keep it going? Um, how do we expand it so that it's not just a class, but an operation with the class that is used as a venue for the class? So what we're dialoguing with administration about right now. I think one of the biggest challenges, and this is how institutions are set up, is committees and bureaucracy, just working with that process. But I understand it's good to share power and have lots of decision making, but it can definitely be a challenge. It is the 
student integration and qualified workers are the main part. Um, I guess, but sometimes you just gotta ask the administration and show them numbers and that it would fit. And over time, I, that's what, what I'm just realizing is just, it's just thinking it through and then being reasonable and, and sometimes you just gotta adapt to the student schedule. So, I mean, I think there, with all this situation, I think there's a way around it. But, but those are the problems that I see too. So, I mean, so. Okay, I know there are a couple others in the audience here. Dr. Clark, do you have a, any perspective on this? Alicia's a little short. Okay. You know, I was thinking I have never done this, but I'm wondering. Oh, I'm uh, Chester Clark, and um, <clears throat> my wife is the principal of Washington Hills Academy, and we were involved in the beginning of that, that school in 1988, and the Lord is blessed. We now have a, a college as of 2003 with about 68 uh, students, but <clears throat> and our school was, was basically, um, agriculture was a very important part. In fact, before we, when we purchased the property, about 400 acres, <clears throat> Back in 90, 1993, we, uh, before we even started a building, we put in four, four acres of grapes. Now, looking back, I wish it had been muscadines instead of grapes, but <laughs> we probably would have seen more harvest. But anyway, um, that's enough background for me. But um, <clears throat> I was just thinking, I've never done this. I'm wondering what a uh, search of the Spirit of Prophecy uh, the ABCs of school finance would bring up. Do you think there'd be any any hits on that? The only thing I've ever personally read the only thing I've ever personally read is that uh, tuition should cover staff wages. It's all that I've read. Well, we all know the statement ABC, agriculture should be the ABC of education. And somehow I think the challenge is, and maybe we can discuss that a little more here today, is how do we convince the administrative uh, administrators of our school that education is more than just a school industry, uh, more than just to bring in uh, revenue or even save revenue. If we truly see that through getting our, us and our young people, getting our hands in the soil and working with God in cooperating with growing <clears throat> our own food, I think that um, <clears throat> we, we might be able to come up with some unique and, and uh, new ways of implementing agriculture in our, in our curriculums. Um, <clears throat> agriculture needs to be a way of life. And it may be that a crisis in our food sources and, uh, and nutrition, which we see taking place very rapidly, that might be what it takes to help us look at things differently. Can the moderator add a comment? I said, can the moderator add a comment? Um, I work for a denominational school, and uh, our biggest issue is, well, uh, one of our biggest issues is, the, as Byron mentioned this morning, is the conference wage scale and the benefits package, which is um, rather robust, ain't it? Um, the other things I would add are things that have already been mentioned. So uh, at this point, we want to uh, then kind of flip this around now um, and look at solutions. Uh, I think that this is a uh, – I think we all pretty much gave the same answers. Uh, it's a good thing, I guess, that it's a short list. Um, for clarity, anybody add anything that's not on the board? Absolutely. I've heard of uh, administrative issues and speaking to administration. Um, sitting in on both sides of the fence, uh, it, it's a challenge for an organization administratively to... Uh, what is, it, what is the priority going to be? And, you know, uh, I appreciate Dr. Clark's comment here, you know, but at the end of the day, the organization has to be able to operate. 
And so you grapple with those figures, and especially as a self-supporting organization, you grapple with those figures, and you've got to make certain decisions. Now, traditionally, from, the, from our perspective at Wildwood, the farm hasn't been, uh, well, let, let's put it this way, it's had varying levels of success, depending on the manager. But many times from a, an administrative committee, um, we, we put pressure on a department to perform financially in order to cover the expenses. And then if that department is not covering those expenses, we've got to make an important decision. Is the rest of the organization going to fund this department as a ministry uh, and for what purpose? And so, you know, from an administrative point of view, you, you grapple with these things and you've got to make choices as to if, if this is an important part of, of what we stand for, an important, important part of who we are and for our future, Yes, we've got to fund that, even though we would like it to perform better. And until we can uh, create a, a system that can uh, function efficiently to Im improve that specific department, the, the farm, uh, we, we're going to have to keep funding it. And so those, from an administrative point of view, I think it's, it's important for, for us to realize, you know, it might not just be that administration doesn't understand agriculture, but administration's grappling with so many issues in order to, to keep that farm functioning. And I, I've sat on committees uh, before I, I got into the position I am in now where, well, shall we close the farm? And no, we can't close the farm because, you know, one day we're going to need it. But the reality is we can't wait until one day. We've got to do it now in order to have it one day. I'll take your comment, but you'll have to come to the mic. Unless it's short, I guess I could repeat it. Yeah, um, my name is Scott Arrington. I've uh, tried to uh, get into some Adventist church sort of farming, institutional farming. Uh, had you know, had some success and some failure, but uh, from what I see, you got to take it right back to the hub. It, you're talking about collectivism. An institution is a collective, okay? Collectivism is communism. Communism doesn't work, okay? You got to release the power of the individual, and you got to make the individual responsible and owner. His financial health is on the line, not the institutions. Uh, you can slap as much religious lipstick on the pig of communism as you can, it's still communism at the end of the day. It's still, it's still a pig, okay? And unless you free up your farmer, whether it's a lease arrangement, so he can own his capital off his back. It's the way the country started when it was raised up as a lamb. Corporate America is, you know, has turned into a dragon speaker, okay? But when the country started, it was individuals owning land, fair trading. If, an, if a collective, an institution, can't wrap its head around that, you're never going to win. It's still a pig. I think that's a subject that each one of us has some serious thoughts on. Um, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, the question was, why has the relationship between farming and medicine not received any attention? Correct. I think that, um, I don't know everybody on the panel, but I've had enough discussions with enough of you here that I think that's an important subject to all of us. Uh, probably good for another panel next year. And um, uh, I think from my perspective is is that we, if we don't have a functional farm, there won't be integration into medicine. I think many of us are grappling with how to make the farm functional first and successful on the campuses that we represent. There is hope at the end of God's tunnel. Yes. Um, I think going back to what Scott said, uh, summarize that as a certain level of autonomy that the farm has on the school institution campus. And I think that's related here. Um, then previously the comment that was made, I think that farmers also need to try to understand the struggles that their administrators face, um, not to perceive the administrators as merely misunderstanding us. The Bible says, um, he that answers a matter without hearing it first, it's folly and shame unto him. And we all need to try to understand each other 
And we need to understand our administrators and not feel like they're always looking down the barrel at us. Because I can tell you from my principle, I would not want to be him. And he has a lot of people looking down the barrel at him. And I need to take a supportive role of my principal. And uh, I need to have his back at the end of the day. Um, I'm going to go out on a not-so-dangerous limb, I think, and say that probably the biggest issue is the lack of qualified workers. Um, if you had a qualified worker that you could put in an institutional campus, then I think you could begin to use the farmer to address many of the other issues, understanding the administrator, explaining the importance of farming outside of finances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't have those individuals, you don't have a platform uh, which you can address the other issues from. So having said that, uh, does everybody agree with that statement, by the way? Is that, okay. Um, we will temporarily skip these other things, and let's just start first with what would be the most pressing need then, and that is how do we as a group uh, come up with a way to train and educate uh, future farmers and multiply farmers so that the, the, the gap is filled in the supply-demand chain there. Uh, let me, I'll take your comment, but I want to take the, the panelists first. If you could tell us, um, again, Byron, I'll just pick on you if you can go first. Um, provide any solution you can to the lack of workers issue, what you're doing to address that. I think the simple answer is not usually the best answer. The simple answer is, is that we have to get workers qualified. And uh, you know, we're, we're exploring how to do that on our farm. We recognize that there's a need for that. And so we've, we have um, tried to do training of workers. But I think it's much more complex than that because, because there's a lot involved in training. And I think there's going to have to be some kind of um, beyond the, the philosophy of sitting around on a panel and talking about it, I think there's going to have to be a willingness to come together as several interested stakeholders, like some of the institutions that are represented here, and say, okay, um, where can we get some people that we would like to invest in, and how can we, how can we um, agree on a process, a... Um, what would we like to see, you know, what does qualified mean? Like, what do we want them to learn? Are we wanting them to learn the, the, uh, the technical skill set of growing? Do we want them to be marketers and growers? Do we, or that's, that's pretty challenging. Farming is so different than marketing that it's very difficult to combine them in one individual. Most people tend to be more towards the production side, and uh, farmers are very practical, um, no-nonsense type people, marketers tend to be more free thinkers, more um, touchy-feely, uh, more uh, talkative and social. Those skills don't work so well with farming. And so trying to find one person to do both of those tasks is quite challenging. So I think that, that for me, it would be very valuable if, if we could um, have some kind of um, process that we could develop, where we would say, this is, the, this, is the, this is the objective that we have. If we could get a, an, an individual to have these qualifications, then we think that that would meet our need. And then, and then answer the question, like I said, do we, do we uh, try to get one person to roll all those things up in, or, or is there a way that we can separate the two, and, and how could we do that? And um, and then lastly, I think that I think that it would be valuable for there to be a a process that that could be established whereby maybe the bulk of the training would happen at one place, but that there would be a way in which um, an individual could spend some time at some of the other farms because. I suspect that I do things differently in my farm than, than probably a lot of the rest of you do. And it would be unfortunate if an individual being trained on my farm would show up at your farm and find out that he really didn't know anything about what your expectations were for him on, on that farm. So I don't know if that 
if that sheds any light from my perspective. But um, I'll pass it back to you. And I, I think you know part part of this um, requirement, and I think all of you that have. Uh, being farmers, our farmers recognize that it's uh, uh, y the the training aspect has to have the experiential aspect as well. So you know we we've talked about the 500 hours, and uh, I would agree with uh, a system being put into place where uh, those that are being trained. Um, have multiple experiences available to them where they can go to uh, different organizations, different farms, um, spending, spending that time to see the different perspectives involved uh, from the different organizations. And, you know, maybe out of an organization like this, we can come up with a, um, a curriculum, as it were, of experience as well as knowledge where, you know, once a person is, is done, uh, let's say they spent 500 hours with, with Byron, that we require X amount of time at X amount of institutions. And uh, then I think there needs to be commitment also from uh, the trainee, that as all of us invest in that person's training, that they be willing to commit to, uh, you know, serve for a time and um, you know listening to to Scott and I've and I've heard him we've, we've spoken at length a number of times and I think there's value in what he what he says you know we uh, it's it's difficult though especially for a self-supporting organization to all of a sudden change a mindset but I believe we have to recognize the issue that if we keep doing what we've done for the last 30 years it's not working and so we've we've got to address change, but change needs to be managed. And so I, I think you know, in a forum like this, we can we can come up with enough uh, managed change that uh, we can still um, keep the integrity of the organisation, but also address the the shortages and the needs for for qualified people. I'm just going to listen to the rest of the comments and maybe comment afterwards. Um, I believe that God has answers for these these um, solutions, and um, we've been hearing about how integral agriculture is to education, to health, to all the different things in life, and. Um, man was put in a garden that was God's ideal plan we're going to be returning to a garden in the kingdom we're all going to be involved in it I found this fascinating passage in Ezekiel 48 the plan for the temple that never got built um, along it, it, it says here in um, 48 18 talking about the layout of the of the city um, it says, the rest of the length alongside the district of the holy section shall be 10,000 cubits to the east, and it gives the measurements. And it says that um, it's, it, it's basically a farm. It says that its produce shall be food for the workers of the city. So right next to the, to the temple and the Levites um, area that was given to them is this farm and and then the next verse is fascinating. It says in, it says, the workers of the city from all the tribes of Israel shall cultivate it. That means that everybody that lives in that city is involved in that farm, and that working in the farm, that farm will then provide the food for the city. When you read the instruction in the in the Council of Spirit of Prophecy for our institutions, it very clearly says that we should not depend on produce coming in from the outside so I see this biblical model fitting an institution 
if we're going to try to meet that and, and put that responsibility on a farm manager and some temporary students, I think we're not going to meet the mark. But if we will integrate, and Alan White says that the, the, um, those who have sedentary work have the sitting disease problem, should share the burdens of the labourers and the labourers should share some of the burdens that the, the others, the, the mental workers have. And um, if we were to implement something along those lines where everybody got involved and uh, made agriculture part of the backbone of the economy of the institution, um, I, I believe that the institution will flourish. Agriculture is the best means of outreach that we have. The health message is, is a powerful right arm, but the right arm has um, a hand and the, the hand has a thumb and that thumb is a green thumb. And um, if uh, the purpose of a thumb is to take hold of things, and if we're going to take hold of the health message, practicing agriculture practices all of the natural doctors that uh, make us healthy. And so if we're going to use agriculture as part of that entering wedge, if we practice it, we can teach it. And the world is open. If we're going to reach the rich, the rich don't like you knocking on doors. They don't like the surveys. They don't like those things. But if you can bring produce to their door that is, is grown in a responsible way, they're very interested and they'll give you time. So if we're going to be effective in reaching the people, I think this model here um, is the model that we could radically follow and would have amazing results. And the interesting thing, the chapter finishes out this being said, and, and, and I, I really like it. It says, talks about the, um, uh, the size of the city, and then it finishes by saying, and the name of that city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. So if we follow God's plan, then it can be said of, of our institutions, the Lord is there. This, that is um, Ezekiel 48, 35. And so, and the other verses were 48, 18, and 19. So I believe the Lord has put that in, in his word, not because it's just some fanciful idea, but that that is his ideal, that everybody get involved in it. It's radical, but God is radical. I mean, to convert us, to change us, that's radical. Just watching the time here carefully, it's 3.27, so we have just over 15 minutes left. A reminder to everybody keep your comments as short as possible. Wasn't correct. So um, what I've seen, and it kind of goes along with uh, what Darren has shared, um, I think if we're going to solve that problem, we need to start very young with, with the children. Mm -hmm. And this I've seen, I was at, before going to Heartland, I was at a self-supporting institution in South America, and they successfully ran this, you know, they the self-supporting model. And I think a lot has to do with it because a lot of the young people that were there, they, they've learned to work since they were very little. And so when it comes to helping, you know, to support the institution, these are young people. You know, I, I was not a very practical person. You know, I was more school, intellectual. I loved reading books. And I felt a need from studying the spirit of prophecy that I need to build on that area. And so I, I started doing that. But it has taken me years, years. And so when I get these young people come here to Heartland, I realize that it's going to take them a lot of time. Even when they do have the desire, wow, I want to learn agriculture and I want to do this. And a lot of them, I look at them, they, they're excited about them, but man, they're just their mind is not, they don't have the ability, even though they have the enthusiasm there. So we really need to start young. We really need to start with the children, get them in the garden, you know, make it part of family thing so that they grow up with it. So by the time they're in high school and college, all that agriculture is not new to them. They're, and they're used to being, you know, they have habits of diligence, of industry, and then a lot of our other problems are going to be, you know, are, are going to be solved. One of the things that I've thought is that um, I have thought a lot about the idea of having one centralized location for training. 
Um, I think that would have to be somewhere that's already successful. And we as a group would have to come in and help support them, you know, and uh, I guess pay for multiple other farmers that could be free from the burden of, you know, running the farm to actually help train these people. Um, I think that each of our institutions should have the missionary spirit of training, but when you're already so overwhelmed with the work, it's really hard to take the time to train on soil science and all these different things. Um, one of the, the other things they did at Madison, or I guess the Manure Missionary College, was they had very short courses to where they, you know, it was high intensity and you could get a degree in whatever in sometimes three or six months. So if there was a way that we could, you know, compartmentalize some things more to where, um, which is really hard in agriculture, but kind of get them on the fast track, so to speak. I guess the only thing I'd like to add is that um, I see this as taking substantial commitment um, from from us, and I'm and uh, saying that uh, I think it's something that we should think seriously about. If uh, if we want to see lasting change and if we want to train people, it's first of all going to take a very serious commitment on our part, which would mean uh, each one of us making the decision to to stop the turnover rate in our own, in our own uh, situations. We're, uh, we're a lot more committed to our own, our own personal um, input at the, at the project we're working, where uh, personal uh, situations with the administration or, or are not the things that affect us and make us leave our job. Um, I think that's an important first step. And only after we make those personal commitments uh, can we uh, hope to see uh, what we model uh, repeated in, in people who are training and where we can have a stable agricultural future. It's a, it's a big idea to talk about qualifying a worker and... I, I look back on my experiences in um, the farms that I worked on as I was learning agriculture and the experiential knowledge gained while working um, has been the biggest asset and that takes time and when, when we have agriculture in our institutions, the young people that are gaining that experience over time, their quality will be increasing and increasing. Um, and um, I see right now a huge, huge interest um, in agriculture growing with the young people. And so I think that there is, I think there is hope that quali quality workers are, are developing right now. And, and that's uh, hopeful. I think my biggest answer to this question is very simple, and you guys have all given really good answers, but pray. It all comes back to prayer. The reason why I got the first teacher was prayer and her um, spirit of self-sacrifice. Seriously, the day that Philip came to my office, I would looked for a teacher for seven months, and the first teacher had to leave because it was only adjunct salary, and it wasn't, you know, that's not good. We need more salary. And I got on my knees, and I said, Lord, I'm not looking again. If you want this to go on, you're going to have to send the person. And Philip knocked on the door that day. So God is big. He's bigger than any of these problems. We need to not trust in man's word, but trust in God's word and just get together. And I believe it's so important to talk about all this, but I think that the true power, and, and we should do both, talk, but prayer is just it's amazing, and it, it changes things. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Amen. Thank you. Totally agreed. By the way, sorry for coming in late. Um, our situation is quite different from uh, most of you, um, and we are starting out, so I cannot speak on uh, so much on past. But um, from other agricultural uh, um, past, the qualified workers 
my experiences with, uh, especially with youth, is that most of them don't have the most basic experience. It's the common sense. So you cannot even say weed uh, because they may just pull in. So I could see that uh, the answer would be um, different for different institutions or settings. So for that, like what is mentioned, is that maybe uh, they could be at one institution where they learn just the common sense, where you can entrust them with the common sense because sometimes uh, it's very, you think it's simple and then, okay, and then they, because the qualified worker, you're talking about a series uh, and grades of expertise. And so they can take this level of experience here, then they move to the next one. Another thing is that, like mentioned before, the um, perception. And it's really educational sometimes to look at the patterns of the counterfeit system. Like it mentioned, start early. The world starts early to brainwash. Um, you go down to the whole list. Investment, sacrifice. The world requires sacrifice. The balancing of the books, this is where the perception comes in, that in the world we yet to see the balancing of the books, the consequences of the system, when it will be too late for many. <clears throat> so here it's a matter of what is compelling the people to sacrifice. And this is where I believe that we Adventists yet to get what is the compelling that will draw people to resist unto blood. So for me, the message is my life, my as a farm manager, future farm manager, my own experiences, is it enough where they see a compelling choice, something better, and they're willing to follow suit, follow Jesus' example, resist, sacrifice, the right perception. And then a lot comes down to attitude. You can start, I mean, the, if the attitude is there, the sacrifice will be there and all that. So it's really, it's not simple. Education, but how I live the message myself, does it compel others to follow suit? Uh, if I can wrap that portion up. Um, we're going to have to think carefully and pray very carefully about any type of cooperative effort where training happens at one specific location. God in Adventist history has tended to fight against centralization. And uh, we need to think very seriously about that. There are benefits in being cooperative. There are tremendous dangers in centralization. And there's a fine line between those two because collective we have more experience than we have individually. Individually we are more dangerous than we are collectively. And so we have to be very careful with that. Um, I would encourage each of you to do what you can where you are right now. We do need workers. We don't have all the solutions. Do what you can where you are as soon as you can and as you're able. Uh, we have about five minutes left. We shared a little last night about uh, the training that we have. And I think that I would really like to uh, emphasize that... that um, when you look at training, the biggest thing that I think people need with training is doing. And um, not so much the book knowledge, although there's certainly a huge benefit in having that. But the fact is, is that what you really cha are challenged with when you're running a farm is knowing what to do, when to do it, and how to do it quickly enough that you can actually make money with it. And, um, and that's... And that's really where, um, where the challenge is, and I think that we're attempting to address those, those issues. But I'd like to hear from Arthur. Um, our training program, I mean, we do have an agriculture program. Um, we do offer degrees, and I think, I'm not sure, but more of the denominational schools, they preferred more individuals maybe with um, experience and also maybe a degree um, or some farm management skills. So I, I guess um, some of the colleagues from Andrews, they went to farms and that's what 
they're asking and suggested to have um, to produce farm managers. And I guess one thing that we're implementing or what we're doing is that um, you know whoever the students get, whatever the students that we get, we I encourage them to work at the farm and at the gardens, and I you know put their theoretical knowledge out in the field and understand how to do certain things. So, um, but again, the, the, the question is, you know, centralization. I mean, <clears throat> Andrews does have a possibility to reach out more, but it's, it's sometimes, you know, there can be like a bias to certain groups or, you know, so it, it depends, I guess, on the individual's perspective. Dysingers, do you have a program too? Yes. Um, I would hope that uh, in the next year that you take uh, good mental notes, everybody, and a year from now we can meet together again. A year from now we'll be smarter and more experienced. And um, the biggest issue on the board is finding the people. And um, for the moment it's up to us to find those people. And if farming is learned by doing, then finding the people will learn by us doing it. We're, we're going to have to be the recruiters. We're going to have to be the trainers for the moment. We're going to have to be a lot of things at the moment. And somebody, I can't remember who said it, uh, we're going to have to accept what that means for us. Um, with a brief comment, I want to take um, Mindy on her comment. If um, I'll take your comment, but if it's brief, I think that the, the option to pray was an excellent suggestion. And maybe in the last couple minutes, a number of you would be willing to offer prayer for God to resolve what humanity cannot. I was going to say that Ellen White says that we should encourage our best and brightest students to be leaders in agriculture. And that wherever you're at, you know, if you guys see people that are, that are leaders, that are energetic young people that have skills, that we should encourage them and, you know, try and plug them in places. Um, let other people know that these people exist, and we can try and recruit the people that we already have coming up up the pike. I, I, I'm going to, sorry, my job as a moderator, I'm going to take Scott's comment. He did have a comment earlier, and I really want to pray. I think that that's the most relevant thing we could do. If it's brief, still, please. I, I appreciate the comment. I want to take a couple minutes to pray. God has to resolve our dilemmas. Agriculture is a big issue in the church. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.